Hello, this is Dwayne McCrary. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible, and today I'm joined by Mike Livingston. Mike, thank you for being with us today again. Thanks for having me. Uh, this week, we're looking at Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 through 11 and 15 through 18. When we're talking about living in purity, following God's design, those are the main themes. Uh, Mike, I'm just going to walk through these passages uh, just to give us an idea of the, the gist of this particular lesson, if that's okay. Mm-hmm, sure. First of all, in verses 3 through 6, uh, th- that particular section we've entitled, See the Reality. In this section, Solomon declared that whatever appeal is presented, adultery eventually leads to bitterness and death. The second section we'll be looking at is verses 7 through 11. We're, we're encouraged to think long term. In this part of the, of the passage, Solomon challenged God's people to resist sexual temptations. He encouraged them to think about the long-term social, economic, and physical consequences of sexual sins. The last section that we'll be looking at will be Proverbs 5, 15 through 18, which we've entitled, Enjoy God's Provision. In that particular section, Solomon directed married couples to enjoy sexual intimacy within the confines of a faithful, exclusive marriage relationship. He affirmed monogamous relationships as God's design. Now, Mike, I know there's going to be some of us who are going to be teaching co-ed classes, and it could be a hard lesson to teach for that. Any tips for us as we teach this particular lesson? Well, you're right. It could be a difficult lesson uh, in some classes. Uh, Leaders may feel uncomfortable talking about the the subject matter here of sexual purity, and there might be group members who who will be, be uncomfortable uh, with this kind of conversation. We, but we cannot ignore uh, Bible passages be, just because they make us uncomfortable. We can't you know, just you know not talk about it. it it's still it's, in the Bible. It's, it's there, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to address it, and it because it's, this is something the Bible addresses. Uh, Proverbs ad- addresses this issue, and we... Uh, meaning we, we the church, we in our Bible study groups, we need to be talking about this and teaching this, teaching God's design for sexuality and for sexual purity because you can be sure that the world and the devil, are, the, the devil is not timid, the world's not shy when it comes to aggressively promoting an unbiblical view of sexuality. And the members in our groups are not immune to cultural's, cu- culture's message and the seductive and toxic messages you you hear in the world or see in the world regarding human sexuality. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, this, this will be difficult, but we've got, to, we've got to address this. And I know maybe, you know, you're, you say, well, I'm a senior adult. I teach senior adults. This just doesn't really apply uh, to me or my, my group. Well, be sure that, that your grandchildren are being bombarded with, with the wrong messages and these toxic messages on, on this subject. And so maybe you, you, you're, you're not the son in this passage, you're the Solomon in this passage, okay? You're the Solomon, and your class is a class of Solomons whose response— Both roles are needed. Both roles are needed, and and so as the Solomon, it's your responsibility to speak God's wisdom into the hearts of of your children and your grandchildren, and that's that's what you want to help your class members be able to do uh, in in, in their families, in their situations. So tips on— on teaching this and teaching this maybe in a co-ed class, you know, I, I, I might in my group, I, I think I'll probably organize into two groups, you know, have the men huddle or, or the women. I mean, if you have a really large group, you might have several, you know, groups of men or several women, whatever size your group is. But, you know, organize men, women, 
uh, to discuss how these biblical truths in this passage apply to their lives as men. How does this apply to you as a man? Women, how does this apply to you as, as a woman? Um, you know, for example, you know, what, what makes avoiding sexual temptation so difficult? Or what are some practical ways that you, you can avoid these, these temptations? Uh, so let the men talk about that. Let, let the women talk about that. It might be interesting to see, uh, you know, to compare how the two different groups respond to some of those mm-hmm. questions, too. Thinking along those lines, they may view this issue very differently, what I'm about to bring them, that's pornography. Mm -hmm. Does this passage, um, since there's no actual physical contact with pornography as such, does this passage have anything to do to say with that, or say with about that issue since it's such a big thing in our world today? Absolutely, yes, it does say something about, uh, uh, does say something to us about pornography. Now, nowhere does the Bible mention uh, you know, directly mention pornography, of course, but the Bible leaves no room, uh, no room to doubt regarding how God feels about anything that promotes a distorted view of sexuality or sex outside of marriage. So without a doubt, uh, pornography is offensive to God. It's destructive. It's evil. And, and what we've got to remember is that the Bible teaches that unfaithfulness in marriage goes beyond the physical act. It teaches us the importance of inward purity, that God looks at the heart, not just the things we do, but he looks at the heart. So here in Proverbs, in Proverbs 6.25, which is in the, the background passage for this, uh, this mm-hmm. session, you know, the, Proverbs 6.25, he says, don't lust in your heart. Don't lust in your heart. And, and of course, that think, makes us think of what Jesus, you know, said about adultery. That's it's a heart issue. He said the intent of the law was, you know, it wasn't just the physical act, but adultery originates in the heart. Even Job understood this. Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I look at a young woman? So he understood it it starts with the eyes. Um, So he not only avoided committing the sin of physical adultery, but he'd taken the the first step of not looking at a woman lustfully. Now, yeah, this uh, pornography is a huge, huge issue today. Uh, so let me just point you to a couple places where, where you can go and find some more information. You can find statistics. The statistics are staggering. Um, you can find some help uh, for those who are caught in, in, in the web of pornography. And it's one place you can go is uh, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission website, which is erlc.com, erlc.com, and just search search pornography um, and you'll find just uh, a wealth of information and articles there on this subject. There's another good site. It's called provenmen.org, provenmen.org, and you'll find a lot of articles on, on their blog also that, that help uh, give us some understanding and how to deal with this issue. Okay, those two sites again are erlc.com. And then provenmen.org. Yes. No spaces, just proven men. That's right. Okay. How does thinking long-term, it's what we're looking at in verses 7 through 11, it's what Solomon encourages us to do is think long-term. How will thinking long-term help a person resist temptation? Yeah, he, Solomon's trying to help his son take that long-term view here so he can make some wise choices. So in, 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 in Proverbs 5, you'll, you'll see a phrase repeated. Uh, two, two or three times, three times. In verse uh, three, chapter five, verse three, uh, three and four, rather, he says, the lips of the forbidden woman drip honey and her words are smoother than oil. But in the end, that's the key phrase, but in the end, 
has taken the long view. In the end, she's as bitter as wormwood. Verse 11, at the end of your life, you will lament. Um, so a couple times there, he, he, he encourages his son to, okay, think about what, is, what the outcome is going to be, you know, the long-term view. Um, so he and he acknowledges Solomon acknowledges how enticing temptation can be, but that sexual sin always promotes more than it can deliver. So sexual sin will never satisfy your heart. It's not going to fix your relationships. It's not going to make you feel better for very long. It's going to do the opposite of everything that it promises. So wisdom tells us this: that the best time to learn the dangers and the foolishness of going after immoral living is before the temptation comes. Because it's easier to resist temptation when it comes, not if, but when it comes, if the decision has already been made before the temptation strikes. So the best way to prepare for temptation is to decide right now how you're going to act, when you face it, and what kind of person you're going to be when it comes. We're going to be holding up God's standard for our society in this passage. There may be people in our group who are not following God's design uh, for sexual purity. How can we prepare ourselves, address that? How can we be ready for that issue to come up in our group time? Yeah, I think that the very strong possibility that this will be true. Here's, and this is very important. Two things we need. Two things are needed as we uh, teach less, this lesson. And that's truth and grace. That we, need, we need to speak truth. We need to speak grace. So the truth is God's design for physical intimacy. That's clear. That doesn't change. God has spoken. Uh, God hasn't changed his mind. Um, the, the truth is, is, is clearly there in Scripture, God's design for physical intimacy. We, we know what that is. God has taught us what that is, and that's what we need to affirm. That's the truth we need to affirm. On the other hand, there's this need for grace. There is hope for those who have made the wrong choices. Uh, the hope, hope for the sexually immoral person is the same hope for the greedy, the idolater, the gossiper, the glutton, the hope, our hope is the same. The hope for all sinners is the gospel. So let's affirm that all sin can be forgiven and forgiven completely. So uh, truth and grace, and you see how these two things come together in so many ways uh, in Scripture. Let me, let me point to a couple things here really quick. Uh, first, first Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. So Paul starts with this warning and he ends with a promise. There's truth and grace in these verses. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or males who have sex with males. That's, that's, you know, those are harsh words right there. But then he goes on. And he says, and, and some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says there, the key, the key phrase, some of you used to be like that. So, so the good news of grace is that in Christ, those who violate God's purposes regarding sexuality can become a part of those who used to be like that. Because in Christ, all sinners can be washed clean. Wasn't that David's prayer after his sin of adultery? He prayed, completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me in, in uh, Psalms 51. Um, now, another, another point uh, to make here, another passage is, you know, the woman caught in adultery, brought before Jesus. And Jesus said to her, neither do I forg- uh, condemn you. There's forgiveness. Neither do I c- condemn you. That's grace. Then he says, go from now on, do not sin anymore. 
So there's the truth, all right? Stop sinning. Stop living that way. Live by the truth, but know that you're also forgiving, forgiven for what you've done. So present the truth, but present it with grace in mind. Because both are needed. Okay. Anything else you would share about this particular passage? No, I, you know, there's, there's a, quote, a couple quotes here uh, related to this whole grace and truth thing. It just kind of drives the point home for me. John Stott once said that truth without love, truth without love is too hard, and love without truth is too soft. Just affirming that we need both. And Tim Keller said a similar thing. He says, love without truth is just sentimentality. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we can't really hear it. So again, speak the truth and speak the word of grace. Mike, thank you for being with us today, and thank you for listening today. If you have comments or questions, you're welcome to send me an email at duane.mccrary at lifeway.com. That's D-W-A-Y-N-E dot M-C-C-R-A-R-Y at Lifeway.com. And I'll do my best to answer your question, or if I don't know the answer, I'll find the right person who can answer that question. Thank you once again for joining us, and we look forward to being with you again next week as we look at Session 6, which will include a study of Proverbs chapter 8.